Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Big deal about this little punk, but we're not ignorant of how he works, because he's a schemer, he's good at it. I'm so glad that it doesn't just end there though. Jesus said, but I have come. I came. So the devil wants to do this, but I'm here and I've come to give you. Say it with me, give you. What does that sound like? It's a gift. He said, I'm coming to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you, you overflow in it. So what is the will of God for your life? Overflow. This is what he wants. In what? In a few things? In every area of life, he wants me to have life in the overflow. What is overflow? People call it waste sometimes. You know when the waitress or waiter comes up to you and starts pouring water and they spill, ah, no, 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 no. That's who our God is. He loves to overfill things. This is who he is. This is his nature is he's too much, <laughs> right? In a good way. He's too much. So this is what God is, you know, giving you and I, a life of fullness until you overflow. Now, what we've been taking time over these past four weeks was to make sure that our root is right. Because in order to experience the fullness of life, we have to get a solid root. And again, a solid root, this is what we've been focusing on, is, is to be the love of God. This is the, our foundation that we're on. But I cannot experience this fullness of an overflowing life apart from a relationship with Him. There is no such thing as an abundant, overflowing life for you and I apart from a relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus. And that's sad. Like A lot of times you kind of you get that. You kind of get those people that go off a little bit. They just want all this stuff but not thinking about this is a relationship. Not only, God is not just a sugar daddy throwing stuff out here. He is a God and he loves you and I, but it's a relationship that works with one another. This is the overflowing life he came to give us. So we've been focusing and taking time to make sure that our root is strongly established, um, uh, strongly established in the love of God. So Ephesians chapter three, verse 17. Let's turn there for a moment. <clears throat> it says this. Then Christ will come and make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So where is our root to be? In what? In the love of God. If he, or if you look at this in the Passion Bible, I don't have it on the screen. It says the resting place of his love will become the very source and the very root of your life. This is what we're focusing on, is that the first response when troubles come, no matter what happens out here, no, I'm loved by God. This needs to be, you got to get yourself to this place that whenever something happens, good or bad, my first response is, yeah, but I'm loved by God. This is what we're working on. This is what we're working towards, right? I am loved by God. Okay. In the Amplified, if you look at this, John chapter 15, verse 9, in the Amplified it says, I have loved you. Just as the Father has loved me, remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you. So where are you, you and I supposed to be? We're supposed to be remaining where? In his love. Other translations say abide in my love. Well, where does everybody go after church? Where do, where do you go? After, besides maybe you eat or something. But what do you do? You go back home. You go back to your resting place. Well, this is what God's telling you and I. Abide here. 
Live here. Think here. Dwell here. Let this be your feeding zone. I mean, we go home to get refreshed, right? We go home to, you know, put on our jammies and get all cozed up when the winter comes in, right? That's what we do. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Anybody come in pajamas this morning? <laughs> Did anybody think about it? Yeah, okay. Just be honest. Yeah, you maybe thought about it. I got this great onesie, this like complete onesie. Man, if I put that on, I, I, I'll show up one day like that. It's, it's good. <laughs> maybe the Christmas Eve Eve service. That's probably the right place for that. But this is my dwelling place. This is what I fall back into is his love for me. We have to, have to, have to. When's the last time that you've been replenished by God's love? When was the last time that you let? I mean, we, we talk about God's love in the sense of, oh, I've never known a love like this before. That's good. But when's the last time that it replenished you? I don't get replenished by Netflix binging. Right? I mean, it's, it's great to take those races. There's nothing wrong with, you know, catching a game and doing all those things. That's wonderful. But what actually refreshes me and gets me up again is spending time thinking on how much he loves me. This nourishes my heart. This strengthens me so that I can continue doing what he's called me to do. Even in your own calls, even what God's called you to, even the kind of work that you're in. What refreshes you? Yeah, thank God for vacation. We need those. It's times of rest. Your body needs that. But I'm talking about your, your spirit, man. It needs refreshing by the love of God. You cannot just go, 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 go. Give, 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 give. Do, 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 do. And all of a sudden expect just to be fresh by it. You have to pull over, go to the rest stop, and just bask in how much he loves you. And how do you do that? You spend time thinking on it. It's the only way. There's no such thing as burnout in Christianity. And if you do burn out, it's because you haven't taken time to let him love you. That's what it is. So what do you need to do? I'm encouraging you this morning. Get off the highway and just start basking in how much he loves you. Because when you do that, now you're ready to go again. Because you cannot give what you do not have. And the only way you have it is through spending time with him in his love. Amen. Okay. So again, my filter and my place of functioning is this. God loves me. We have to move past that. This is not just a head knowledge thing. I, 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 please, I'm, I beg you, let this not just be a head knowledge thing. Go, oh yeah, God loves me. I've heard that. No, experience this thing. Get it so ingrained on the inside of you that you, you, it changes everything about you. Not just more than head knowledge. Now what we said is the Lord is going to show you maybe some roots that need to be changed in your life where we've depended on other things or looked to other things to feed us properly. Right, I believe that even for the season that we're in of digging deep and going further in God, you have to take times to remember that He loves you. He loves you. Say it with me. God loves me. He loves me. This morning, even though I maybe I made a mistake this past week, He loves me. Let that be your place. Not God's angry at me because I did that. No, He loves me. And from that place, just start thinking on life. It, it changes you. Okay. 1 John 4, 16, it says, we know, they say, we know. Now, what is this? Is this just head knowledge? No, it's experiential knowledge. Every time you see the word know, it's intimate. We know, we have intimate knowledge of how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. So what I said before is we're taking time to let God intimately love us. And I love this verse. I'm going to read it to you, Romans 8, 32. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? This is who our God is. So this is, again, I want to reiterate this part to you. This is what the Lord spoke to me a couple weeks ago. But because the Lord loves me, there's nothing that he wouldn't do for me. 
And he told me, let your imagination go wild thinking of how much I love you. You have to let it go because he said this, if you can't get it into your heart, he can't get it into your hand. We have to let the imagination go completely wild in this aspect of how much you are loved. Why? Because when it gets into my heart, now I can start to see it in my hand. This is where it begins. We just think, okay, if God loved me, well, show me out here in the natural. That's not where it begins. It festers up on the inside. Let your heart expand. Say with me, expanding. God, you have to let God expand this heart. You got to let him extend this heart. How? Let him love you. Because when you see how much he loves you, you know there is nothing that he would withhold from you. And this is the next part of it. God loves people so much, there is nothing he wouldn't do through you to reach that person. That you have to let this thing expand. You see people that are just tight. You know, in, I think it's 1 Corinthians, but Paul talking to the Corinthian church, he says, your heart has constricted. Your heart has gotten hard towards us. Right, Paul, he's, this is the church that Paul started. He said, I can't even get into you anymore. Is because you've closed your heart off to me. He said, open your heart again towards me. So that just shows me that we are in charge of either constricting or opening up our hearts. Did you know that? You can do that. So I encourage you this the, today, let your heart be open. Open it up towards him. What does that look like? What does that mean? Just say, Father, here I am. Here, here's the stuff that's going on in my life. Please, I'm, I'm opening myself up to you. Here it is. And let the love of God come in and just nourish whatever it may be. Open. Right? Open it up. And as we trust and know his love, allowing his love to change the way we think, allow the way his love changes the way you view yourself. Some of you need a nice perspective on you. You're so mean to you. This is something Jamie said to me. Make sure you're nice to my friend Joel. Because this is something that I, you know, if I don't do things perfectly or things don't turn out the way that I wanted it to, I get down on myself and I go, come on, man, you're better than that. Your self-talk. If you just stop for a moment, I, you know, I was holding my little girl this morning, London. When, if you were to look at her through my eyes, you would go, oh, mushy, gushy. Oh, she's just a sweetie, beauty. I, I love this girl. She means so much to me. Now, what would happen all of a sudden if she started saying, oh man, like, what's, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this thing right? You need to stop for a moment and remind yourself of how much you're loved and get that view again of how much God loves you. Your self-talk sucks and that's got to stop. I'm my, I need to be my best cheerleader. Give me a J. You got your J now? Give me an O now. Give me an O. I need to be cheering myself on. <laughs> Why? Because this is how God views me. I need to be doing it. Oh, oh, exclamation point. We have to be doing that for ourselves because this is who God is towards you. God's not going, oh, J-O-E-L, yay again, oh, J. No, he's excited about you. So your self-talk will change when you realize how much he loves you. And then nextly, when you allow the love of God to change the way that you speak, but here's the one thing, allow the love of God to change the way or to allow his love to meet hidden fears. So here's what I want you to do. Things that may be concerning you, things that may be worrying you, things that may be a kind of a problem to you and it's kind of gnawing in the back of your brain. I want you to take that problem or that issue, bring it out, all of what it could be, how negative it is and what the worst case scenario may be. And I want you now to take on how much God loves you and put it on the other end of the scale. And I want you now to introduce this fear, introduce this concern, this worry that you have. And I want you to say, all right, fear, problem, this is what it is. I want you now to meet how much God loves me. And what the Bible says, 
First John 4, 18, you know it. It says that perfect love gets rid of, expels, casts out all fear. So what is the love of God going to do? It's going to completely wipe it out. So where's that fear? You can search for it underwater. Where's that, where's that fear? You won't even be able to find it. It didn't say it covers it. It says it expels it. The only way to get rid of those anxious thoughts is know how much you're loved. And this is what's wrong in the world today. What's the biggest thing that people have problems with? Anxiety. And how many times has God told us, do not fear, do not fear, do not be anxious about anything. Yet as believers, we kind of go on, oh, I'm just going to be worried about that. It's the parent thing to do to worry about my kids. It's sin. We think that, you know, committing adultery is sin. Sure is, but so is worry. Have we ever thought about that? So what do we get rid of the worry? How do we do that? The love of God is my root. And I have to constantly, this is how we live. This is my very per reason for existence, is knowing that God loves me. He has to enjoy life and, you know, have all these great things. But the root of all this is because God loves me. This is my root. So I can live worry-free from here on out. Like, I want you to make a determined decision that fear, I'm done with you. It's great. Sorry, I lost my poppy. It's great that we can sing these songs. Fear doesn't. You can sing with the rest of them. But what happens when you go home and all of a sudden that thought pops into your brain again? <sighs> You know what fear does? It paralyzes you. Completely paralyzes you from fulfilling what God's called you to do, from thinking about, you know, what all the goodness of what God does. Fear will quench it. Fear will, fear will stop it. Like it's, it's, it's a paralyzer. That's what he wants to do. So the only antidote to that is the love of God for you and I. It, I can't make it any simpler than that. Does that make sense? It's, it's love. Oh, I've heard that before. No, you haven't. If you're freaked out by anything in this life, no matter how big it is, no matter how small it may be, if there's any kind of fear, the enemy is trying to get in. Stealing, killing, and destroying. That's all he's trying to do, and fear is his tactic. And the only way to stop it is knowing how much I'm loved by God. It's the only way. Are we awake this morning? Okay, you're just, you're just going, oh, okay, easy. I don't mean to yell, it's just... I can't help it. It's the way I was born. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. So we know how much God loves us. Now we talked this last week. We're trusting his love. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Why does the Bible say this? Because at some point, his love, what he says, what he did is so astounding. It goes beyond anything that we can comprehend with our natural thinking. It goes beyond that. So he's telling you and I to trust him with all of our hearts and don't lean to what it looks like. Don't lean to what we think it may look like. Do not lean on that. We're supposed to go with how much he loves us. Why? Because what he says, like when you read some of these promises in the Bible, how many of you spend some time reading what he said? Wow. Isn't that quite something? But how come I don't see it in my life? You're leaning in your own understanding. Just ah, forget about that. I need to go back to what he said. And hold them to this. And that's what we're going to talk about this, this morning. Now let's look here for a moment. John chapter 1 verse 17. And I'm going to go a little bit further into this. Talking about grace and law. But John 1 17 it says. While the law was given through Moses. Grace. Let's read those words together. Unearned. Undeserved favor. And spiritual blessing and truth. Came through Jesus Christ. So the law was given through Moses. Again, what is the law? The law is, I mean, we know it. A lot of people will just say it's the Ten Commandments. 
right? Other, you can look in the book of Leviticus, it actually has 613 commandments, right? There's a bunch of them. What is the law? What did it do? What was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was to show you and I how sinful we were. It was to reveal how unqualified we were. It was to reveal how no good we were. It was also to reveal how great and how perfect our God is. It's his standard, right? The law is not evil. It shows God's standard, but in and of ourselves, we could not do it. <laughs> how many are thankful for the law? I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for it because it revealed also that we needed a savior, but man, the law, all that it did, it just showed how no good you were. And sadly, this is where a lot, large part, not just, I'm saying a large part of the body of Christ still lives. They live in this old covenant mindset where I have to do in order for God to do something for me. That is law. Anybody ever been stuck caught doing that before? If I do something, then God can. If I go to church, then God will give me a good rest of my week. Anybody ever had that thought before? You know what? If I pay my tithes, I won't be cursed. Anybody ever had that thought before? Now, why am I giving? I'm giving out of fear so you don't hurt me. We have the wrong idea of who God is. It's the wrong, it's the wrong nature. That's not our God, right? If I'm nice to my wife, okay, God will, you know, God will spend some time with me. Oh, there's some truth to that. <laughs> actually, there's a lot of truth to that. First Peter actually says if, if walking in love, if it hinders your prayer life. So that's the other side of it. But if all of a sudden, okay, Lord, I'm going to be a good person so that you can be good to me. You're coming from a wrong perspective, right? And so what, this is the law that we came. I want to read you Galatians chapter three here. Look at this verse 19. And I'm going to just read you these verses real quickly again. But it says the law was, why was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. The law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. So the law was only supposed to last a certain amount of time. It wasn't supposed to be from now until Jesus comes back for his church. It was supposed to end. There was a, there's a covenant ending at some point. Look at verse 23. It says, so until the revelation of faith for salvation was released, the law was a jailer holding us as prisoners under lock and key until the faith which was destined to be revealed would set us free. The law became, becomes a gateway to lead us to the Messiah so that we would be saved by faith. But when faith comes, the law is no longer in force since we have already entered into life. You go back to verse 24 for a sec. You know, I've, uh, this, this thought always comes to me. I had a privilege of, you know, growing up, my, I, my uncle and aunt are over here. They, were, they grew up on a farm. Well, they had a farm. And uh, we had opportunities to go there. And sometimes we would get jobs. And one of our jobs was to, you know, separate the cows, right? You know, you know, Uncle Ken would have there and all the cattle would go. And I'm kind of just looking at this. You and I were kind of like these cattle going up this gateway. Thank God not to be neutered, but to be <laughs> just to get our tags on. Because <laughs> I was part of that neutering business. And I went, ow, like that. Ha, ha, ha. But I kind of just, this picture always comes to my mind. The law became a gateway. So what, what the law was trying to do was trying to bring us in. It was like boxing you and I in, putting us in a box where we're contained and he wants to lead us like, and here we are going up through this gate until you saw the cross. And when you saw the cross, kind of the same way once, you know, Ken lifted up that, you know, the neck gate and now you can just freely wall it out. Well, we all came in here oh shoot, we're no good, we're no good, please don't neuter me, please don't, and here, this is how we're thinking, and then all of a sudden, the gate is lifted, 
I'm free, like a calf at a new, in a new field. That's the wrong animal. I don't know. A bunch of farm animals. Can you see that? But now you've been released. This is what the law was doing. It's putting you in this box so that the moment that Christ was revealed to you and I hanging on that cross that he took your sin and shame, that you can now go, oh, I'm free. I'm completely free. And you can just rejoice and have a great time in what he did for you. That's what he wants. Now, pardon me if that illustration didn't rub you the right way, but... <laughs> So Moses brought the law. So again, just think of what the law is. So just, again, you're kind of picturing that, that gate, right? Everybody got that gate in their mind for a sec? Going up this gate. Moses brought the law. The, bro- the law brings self-effort. So in this gate, you're trying to perform and trying to look good for God. And meanwhile, you are just rotten. There's nothing good about you. Even though you can move like the rest of them and do all these great deeds, it doesn't do nothing. The law brought self-effort. Self-effort brings self-righteousness. And self-righteousness tries to bring glory to itself. And what is this? Eventually it's the pride. God is not going to share his glory with anybody concerning your salvation. Nobody is getting free out of this gate by their good works. Look how good I am. Look at all these great works that I do. And you're trying to squeeze out of the gate. It won't work. You don't fit. Sin is too heavy. It's too much. So that's why we went to this Jesus. And again, the focus of the law, again, what is this law? The focus is on you performing so that God will do something wrong. This is, what, again, what the law is. I'm a, again, the law. Do I have to act good to be good? No. Do I act holy to be holy? No. Do I act righteous to be righteous? Wrong. It's the wrong flow. Flip the flow. You already are righteous. You already are holy. And when we start thinking like that, our lives will change. Rather than thinking, okay, I got to stop doing this. You know, to, I'm, a, I'm a holy person. I got to stop doing this. Stop acting like this. Stop, you know, cussing like this. As long as you're in the trying state, you will be trying for a very long time because in and of yourself, you can't do it. But when you realize who you are and what he did for you, It'll just come right off you and go, righteous people do. I don't want anything to do with that anymore. Right? It's a totally different flow. Oh, man, I'm thankful for this. This is what we're going to talk right here. Jesus bringing us into this grace. Look at this, Matthew 5, 17. Oh, man. What did love do? He fulfilled the law for me. He fulfilled it. Look at this. Don't, Jesus said, don't misunderstand why I have come. So don't misunderstand why he came. He said, I did not come to abolish the law or the teaching of the prophets, writing of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Why is this so important that we get it? He did not come to start a brand new religion, so to say. He didn't come to start some brand new thing. No, and he said, no, no, I honor that law. He said, but I'm not here to get rid of it, to demolish it. I'm here to fulfill it for you and I. Oh, the law. Listen, if you were, if you were a person under the law, you would have to basically give up your job and try to make this thing work. And if you see from what the Bible says, anybody acting in the law, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 that you've been cut off from Christ and the grace of God is meaningless to you. So anybody that's still trying to do something to get God to do something, we are in the wrong covenant. That covenant is done. It's expired. And Paul gets real serious about this. Are you ready? I'm going to jump into it in a couple minutes here. (laughs) But Paul did not speak too nicely. Let's just talk about the good part of what Jesus did. John chapter 1, 16 through 17, it says, Now, the, out of his fullness, 
the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. And then it goes right into 17. The law was given through Moses, but grace came through Jesus. Unearned, undeserved favor from God came through this man, Jesus Christ. This is what we need to focus on, is this grace that came through this man, Jesus. Again, what's the law? The law focuses on you. Grace comes and is focused now on Jesus. The focus is on him. The focus is not on you behaving properly. The focus is not on you doing enough good deeds. The focus is on Jesus and what he accomplished for you and I. Now, before I jump into this, let's just talk about this. How did Jesus end the old covenant? And how did he start this covenant of grace that we're now a part of? He did it through his blood. You read Hebrew, for just for time's sake, Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 10. I encourage you just in, in the Passion Bible, just read it. It brings out so much in this, but this is why we honor the blood of Jesus here. We pay so much respect and value to this blood because it purchased us. It delivered us. So in order for Jesus to ratify and fulfill the old covenant, blood had to be shed. And at the same time that he fulfilled that one, he started a brand new covenant called grace. And now in this day and in this age, anybody across this entire planet can respond to the love of God hanging on that cross and get born again without having to perform anything. Oh, it is amazing. We say it's amazing grace. It's too good to be true. But you don't know my past. It doesn't matter anymore because the focus is not on how good you were or how bad you were. The focus is on Jesus and what he did for you and I. Woo! This is the grace life. This is what he came. He brought it in and he paid a huge price to stop an old covenant and to bring in the new one. So let me encourage you, if you find yourself trying to do something in order for God to do something for you, you, you stop it. Just stop it. Why? Because it is going against everything Jesus paid for to get you out of it. Just stop. Right? Now, let's look at this. I'm going to talk this morning about the gospel. Thank you, my brother Donovan. That's, that's good. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. The gospel. What is the gospel? It's good news. But what kind of good news? If you do research, if you do more study in the Hebrew... It is, what kind of good news is it? Jumping up and down, too good to be true, good news. And that's not just for when you get saved. We're going to find out about this. Because this is what Jesus brought in for you and I, and it's still activated today. I want to just go a little bit deeper in this. Paul says, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes the Jew first, and also the Gentile. Verse 17, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This is living now. It's life. Through what? Through my believing. This is how I experience this is living the life that he came to give me. Now let's just bring this back here a little bit. Go back to verse 16. And I want to ask you this. If somebody were just to come up on the street and ask you, what is the gospel? You tell them, well, it's good news. Good news about what? What, what is this? 
But I want you just to clearly see this from this verse. The good news, the gospel is this. The gospel is the power. Let me say the power. Not just a little bit of power. It's the power, the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. This is the gospel. It's saving everyone who believes. And let's, I want to go into this for a moment. That word salvation. And because of our English language, we're actually kind of limited to what this true definition of saving or salvation is. The Greek word for salvation, we know it to be sozo or soteria. Anybody like the Greek language? Anybody like, it's all Greek to me. Anybody like, or you like Opa? Or my big fat Greek wedding? Oh, there you go. I, I like that one, man. Number two is awesome. I like that one lady. She reminds me of Ricky. That's why I just, I like that lady. She's just, she's just there. Sotaria. So go with me. Say Sotaria. This is, this is the word. When Paul is saying this, I'm not ashamed about the God, good news of Christ. It is the power of God at work. Sotaria. Everyone who believes. What is this word Sotaria? Because we just hear this and we go, okay, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. It's limited. It is extremely limited. And we actually, the reason why it's limited is because you just go back to when I got saved. The power of God, yeah, he saved me. I got saved in 1982. Yippee! That's great. But you don't limit it to just back then. So getting saved from hell is a, is, well, I mean, thank God for it, but it's just a part of what this word soteria means. Let me give you the, the, the words that the Greek gives you and I for this word soteria. Are you ready? I encourage you to write these down and think on these lots. So when you say the word soteria, it means this. There's eight different words for this. You know, the Greek, the way that you look at it is they, they give you kind of a root word and then look at it as there's all these different kinds of spokes coming from that word. So soteria is our hub of the wheel. And all out of these spokes, this is what soteria means. Number one, it means this, to rescue. Number two, it means safety. Number three, it means soundness. Number four, it means health. Number five, it means wholeness. Number six, it means deliverance. Number seven, it means prosperity. Number eight, it means victory. So when you say, I am saved, I am soteria, you are saying, I have been rescued. I am kept safe from all the attacks of darkness. I have been kept sound. I have a sound mind. I have been made healthy. I have been made whole. You know that word whole, if you actually do a little bit more study in this, the word whole comes from the Hebrew word shalom. And we know shalom to be nothing missing, nothing broken. This is the word whole. If you say I am a whole person, you are saying that nothing is missing in your life. Nothing is broken in your life. This is soteria. What else am I saying? I am soteria. I'll be made whole. Soteria means I've, I'm delivered. I have been delivered. It means I have been made prosperous. And lastly, I have been given victory over all the forces of darkness. Soteria. Say it with me. I'm saved. Now say it like this. I'm soteria. So when you're saying this, don't just think, oh, I'm, miss I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell. It is so much bigger than that. 
Because then we just kind of bring this event to what happened, you know, a few decades ago or, you know, a couple months ago. I got saved, that's so and so. And I, you know, I went to this meeting and I got saved. That's great. That's where you met the Lord. Yes, you got rescued from hell on your way to heaven. But it's so much more. It's deliverance. It's to be made sound. It's to be made whole. It's to be made healthy. It's to be made prosperous. It's to be made victorious. It's to be rescued. It's to be safe everywhere that I go. This is what it means to be saved. So the gospel is this jumping up and down good news, not for when I just got saved, but for now because I am soteria. I am saved today. I'm going to be saved tomorrow. This is the good too good to be true. And what did I do to get all this? Nothing. All I had to do was simply say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. And he immediately saved you. He called you out and said, you are a chosen one of mine. Welcome to Soteria. And now we came out of this gate and going, oh, there is an abundance of health. There's an abundance of prosperity. There's an abundance of joy. There's too much in this zone. That's our God. This is the Soteria. But notice this. It is made possible. It's available for all who believe it. The only reason, the only thing that you and I have to do is we have to believe it. So let me encourage you, as you're spending time reading the word, a lot of times what I find myself doing is I'm spending time reading this good news, reading this gospel. I'll stop at a verse and say, Lord, just a minute. I believe this. I believe this is true in my life. Regardless of what people say, regardless of what other denomination, this is what I believe. This is not a denominational teaching. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I don't believe in the healing gospel. I believe the gospel. Because what happens when you start separating things and go, oh, there's a prosperity. The moment you start doing that, you start to cut off other people. We don't just preach prosperity. We are at a full counsel of God. We believe the soteria. I believe I'm delivered just as much as I've been made healthy. The same blood that purchased me to get me out of hell into heaven is the same blood that purchased me to be delivered. So now what does it require? How do I start experiencing Soteria in my life? Is I have to spend time looking in this word so I can believe something. We are making, like this is the thing that I'm finding for myself. I had a lot of beliefs that were based on because mommy and daddy said this. And thank God there's nothing wrong with any of that. But you got to get into it for yourself. Because as long as you just go, oh, you know, this is what Joel said. This is what impact teaches. As long as you stay in that zone, it's not going to affect you. Soteria is for me personally. It's for you personally. But you got to spend the time and invest in what the Soteria does. This is what salvation does for me. Okay, let's go on. So that is the gospel. What is not the gospel? The gospel is not a self-help message. This is not Jesus didn't come just to help you out a little bit. He looked at you and said, you is a complete mess. <laughs> he looked at you and, ugh. like bad so what did he do for god so loved the world and at the same time god so loved the world god so hated sin that he sent jesus i just love looking at it that way for god so loved the world and then god so hated sin that he looked at mankind and said i'm going to give you jesus and so what did he do god didn't heal your spirit your spirit was too nasty. It was too destroyed. So what did he do? He killed it. 
He completely killed it. Well, how did he do that? He put Jesus on the cross and he put all of the sin, all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the condemnation on this man. And that's why the cross is so, I mean, it's powerful to us because we believe it. But if you look at it, it was so, it was dirty. There's nothing cute about that cross. The Bible says that Jesus was defaced. He was disfigured. You look at him on the cross and you can look and go, he's not even a man anymore. That's what the Bible says. He doesn't even look like a human being anymore. Why? It's because sin is so dirty and God had to kill that body, had to kill that sin so that you and I could be raised up with a brand new being. And now who are you? Are you a sinner? No chance. That person died the moment I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Well, who am I now? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Look at this verse, verse 17. Go to the next verse for a sec, guys. It says the good news, what does it do? It tells us how God makes us right so the good news is not jesus is there otherwise you're going to go to hell that is not the good news the good news is if you don't accept jesus you're going to hell that's not good news <laughs> the good news is jesus came to deliver to save to you know bring you back to the father all you got to do is believe me requires no effort at all this is the good news is jesus and him crucified Wow. So this is who I am. I'm saved. And when I say that, I mean I'm delivered. Say it. I'm delivered. You know, let's just make this a confession. Say, I've been rescued. I am safe. I have a sound mind. My body is healthy. My mind is whole. I have been delivered. I have been prosperous. And I have been given victory. I'm saved. That's it. So when you say saved, that's just short for all these eight things that we just listed off. So what did love do? Love got us out of a doing lifestyle and into a believing lifestyle. <laughs> this is the greatest news. We no longer have to do anything. We just simply have to believe it. Look at this, John chapter 6, verse 29. It said, this is Jesus told them. He said, this is the only work that God wants from you. You see it? What is his first word? Believe in the one he has sent. Oh, but what about this? No, 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 no. I gotta go to church. No, 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 no. I now get to do these things rather than, oh, I have to for God to like me. No, no, he already loves you. What's, what's my work as a believer now? I believe in the one that he has sent. Look at this. If you want a little bit more New Testament, 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. The Apostle John writes this. This is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, which is Jesus, and we love one another just as he commanded us. This is what the life of a believer now is, is we believe in Jesus. We believe in what he did. We believe in what he says. In fact, we are called believers. What do believers do? Nobody, notice, nobody said do. Why is that our default setting then? Why do we always go back to doing something in order for God to like you or for God to do something for you? Stop. Believe. This is what God likes. The work's already been done. Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished. You don't have to resurrect Jesus and try to make something work again. It's already done. Now, let's look at this a little bit. This is where Paul gets a little bit angry. I'm going to read this to you. Galatians chapter 1. I want to read this verse. Are everybody doing okay still? I just want to... I'm not moving too fast or saying too much. Okay. 
the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is writing this book to the churches in Galatia area. I believe there's about 12 churches in that time. And Paul, you know, he's the one that planted these churches. He got them started up through the message of grace, right? This is how the church starts. So anytime people are going to start a church, it should be built on the foundation, Jesus Christ and him crucified. He brought in grace. This is how we reach the city of Red Deer, y'all, is through the grace of God. This is what he does. Paul now, he comes back and he heard some reports about this church. And he says this in verse six in Galatians chapter one. I don't have it on the screen, but I have it here. He says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Now, let me go on. He says, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. Wow. How do you say wow backwards? Wow. How do you say it upside down? Mom. Mom. Then verse nine, he goes on. He says, I say again, What we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. (gasps) This is the Holy Spirit writing this. Why is he so adamant on this? Is because the law or the way of the law is still to reject what Jesus did and the blood that he shed for us. That's why God wants nothing to do with people that just go, okay, I'm going to obey the Ten Commandments. I'm going to do all these rosary repairs. He has no interest in that because it's religious dead work. He looked as his son. He said, thank you. It is well done. Not all this trash that we muster up to please God. So what do we do? We believe the gospel. Now look at this, verse th- chapter 3, verse 1. Now Paul goes a little bit further in this. He says, oh, foolish Galatians. If you read the Message Bible, it says, hey, stupid Galatians. He's trying to get somebody's attention. Hey, wake up. Foolish Galatians. He said, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Now, verse two, I have this on the screen. He says, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? You're, I'm not talking about the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about being sealed by the Holy Spirit, obeying the law of Moses. Was he saying, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you get born again because you did the, you didn't do the, or you did the 10 commandments? No, he said, of course not. You received the spirit because you believed. You believed the message you heard about Christ and the spirit was given to you. And he goes on to say, verse four, I don't have this on the screen again, sorry. He says, have you experienced so much for, or sorry, verse three, how foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? What's the law? It's human effort. I got to try this. I got to shout louder. I got to jump higher. I got to raise my hands louder and higher so that God will notice me. Stop. It doesn't mean anything. He said, you're trying to fulfill now this Christian life in the flesh. There's no point. Your flesh ain't doing nothing good for God. The only sacrifice that was perfect was Jesus. So what do I do? Lord, I just lift up my hands and say, thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. I believe that. You know what the father goes? He likes that. Why? Because faith turns his crank. He likes believers. (laughs) Look at verse five now. Let me ask you one again. 
Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? You've got to hear this. God's going to do miraculous things in your life. Does he want to? Yes. Is it going to be about you praying hard enough? No. How's it going to come? It, he says, of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. That's it. So how am I going to experience more of God in my life? I believe the gospel. You know, you don't need more power. What do you need? You need more gospel. If you are not too happy with where you are in your Christianity, it's because you haven't seen him lately. Oh, yeah, I'm not seeing anything in my life. I just, nothing's going good in my life. It's because you haven't seen him. Because as he is, so am I in this world. That'll rock you, man. That'll change everything about your day. Whoa, I'm just like Jesus here. Yeah. Anyway, so I've received because I believe. So the new covenant, what is our continual response to the promises of God? I believe it, I receive it. So what is the language of faith? I believe, I receive. And it's all rooted because God loves me. I'm not rooted in my self-effort. I'm not rooted in what you know, I can do in order to get God to do something. I'm rooted in how much he loves me. And it makes faith so easy when I know he loves me because if he gave me Jesus, he'd give me anything. Oh man, he would give me anything. All right. So believers, what do we do? We live by our believing. We don't live by our paychecks. We don't live by our government system. We don't live by this natural human system. We live by what? Believing. Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Do I have that on the screen? I don't, can't remember. But in the New Living Bible, it says it this way. We live by believing, not by seeing. Other translations say we live by faith, not by sight. So right here, how do I live my life on this earth? I live by my belief. This is how I was brought in. You were brought into the kingdom of God by your belief in Jesus Christ. So why would we think now that I'm after I've received Jesus, now I'm through the gate, now I'm in the kingdom of God, why would I live now by self-effort? Why would I live now by, you know, trying to appease God when I'm already in? I'm already in. So now what do I do when I'm in this open field? Just kind of picture this cattle gate thing again. Now I'm in this open. It'd be stupid now just for me to start going, okay, God, I'll do this. And oh God, I worship you. I, I worship you. I bless you. I bless you. Now you, oh God, please. I need this in my life. I need this in my life. You're in this open pasture where you've been given everything. Jamie read it this morning. We now stand in this free and open space of his grace. So now what do I do? I believe that. I believe that. Oh, I believe this. I believe that. Oh, I receive it into my life. Oh, that's good, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is now the zone that we're in. Is this free and open space that he purchased for us? I didn't do it. I just went through the gate. Oh, I want you to see it. Look at this gate. Look how much there is. There's no shortage of money in heaven. There's no shortage of peace in heaven. He gave it to you. You are here as a spirit being temporarily sent for a natural human existence. Rather than being, oh, I'm a human being looking for a supernatural experience. Flip the flow. You're a believer. Say, I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. That's not who I am. I'm a believer. So what do I do? I believe the gospel. I believe that what Jesus did for me on the cross is more than enough to take care of me, my family, on this earth here and now till I go home to be with him. Because if you think about it, what's all this talk that you hear? 
Right? I'm, these are sensitive subjects, but we got to sometimes talk about this. The global warming side to it sure could be heating up. I don't just believe in global warming. I believe in global melting. This whole world is going to be on fire at some point. But why is that? What's the talk? It's fear. It's shortage. We're not going to have enough food. You know, even people talk about we need a new plague. <laughs> There's so much fear that is driving people to kill people because they don't have enough. Heaven has got plenty enough. And he said, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, harvest. It's always going to be there. My God loves me. He's not going to make me go short. He's not going to make me lack. I'm not going to freeze my butt off because it's flipping cold outside. I'm not going to lose any of that. Why? Because my God is for me. Can we see this? This is who our God is. He's more than enough. And we have to get out of this root of what government is saying and what science is saying. Oh, we're going to lose it. We're not going to have enough. And go back into, for God so loved the world. He gave Jesus. Yeah, but this. No, no, no. Yeah, but the blood of Jesus. He brought me into this free and open space. There's been times I'm just, again, sitting in my chair. And I think about this wide open space. Man, I remember, you know, we got some family in Europe. And when they come to Canada, they love it. Why? Because there's space. We were in New York for, you know, 10 days at one time. And afterwards, I'm like, I just need some space. Like the spirit of New York came on me, and I'm just like, oh, you put no on. you start dagging people, get out of my way. What do you do? You come to Alberta? <gasps> oh, what is it? There's space. He gives you room to breathe. This is who our God is. When you just bask in how much he loves you, this is one thing that I've found in my time with the Lord. He just, he gives me space. Oh, it's going to be okay. My kids are going a little crazy. Oh, he loves me. He loves me. And then I can respond rather than... <laughs> I can respond now. God loves me. It's okay for you to make these mistakes. Like, listen, this is, has changed my parenting mindset. I'm not a command and control parent. You better do this or I'm gonna... That's Old Testament thinking that I found in my brain that I have been living my life and I'm coming out in my kids. If you don't, I will. What? And not realizing, this is something Jamie really helped me to see, is that's not how even our dad is with us. Aren't you thankful that we don't have a God who does that? You don't go to church? Oh boy, you get a, something's coming your way. So now we got a bunch of people going to church. This is the day, here I am, Lord. This is the, that the Lord has made, that the Lord, I will rejoice. Rather than, now we're trying to get people to sing these songs. Rather than seeing what he did on the cross and he brought you into this free grace, I jump for joy because I know he brought me into this free and open space. Rather than trying to bring a sacrifice of praise where I don't get hurt. Oh God, don't hurt me. Man, wrong, wrong, wrong. He loves you. Oh, I'm not going to be able to make it to church next week. Oh, good Lord, I wonder what's going to happen. I hope I see you in two weeks. Like, the Lord may kill you before then. I hope it's going to be, a, are we kidding? But this is what religion does. It totally confuses. And that's why Paul spoke so strongly to this church. He said, you've abandoned Christ. You've abandoned the grace of God. He said, stop it. Get, who's cast this spell on you? Get out of this thing, man. Stop it. Get your head back on straight. He did it. So what do I do? I believe it. I believe it. He healed me. What's my response? Oh, I don't see it in my body. No, 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 no. I believe it. He says, hey, I'm going to pay off. I'm going to pay off some of your mortgages this year. Oh, I don't know. How are you going to do that, God? $136,000. I still owe $136,000. He gave you Jesus. 
What is $136,000 to Jesus' blood on the cross? It means nothing to him. But we make it such a big deal, right? And in the Christian world, extremely weird. Preachers can't even have planes and they get all upset and strong. What is wrong with people? <laughs> not to say there has been people that have abused, not to say it, none of that stuff hasn't happened. But for the most part, people that are doing the gospel, who's fighting them? The world's not. Christians. It's the, real, it's the older brother of the prodigal son. They're mad because they don't got it and they want it. Will they ever get it? No. Because how do you get anything from God? I believe, I receive. Not I work to get. I believe I've already got it. Amen. Oh, I'm sweating. But I really wanted us just to show you a picture of what Jesus has done. He brought us into this place where we now freely stand. Freely. The same way that, you know, Donovan prayed this morning that we are free today in this nation because of men and women that paid a tremendous price many years ago. Here we are free in this nation, not speaking German or whatever. Like, thank God for that, right? Thank God for that. But at the same time, now we stand in this place free because of what Jesus has done for us. So I don't know about you, but I, I can't help but just to throw up my hand and say, Jesus, thank you. The whole reason I'm in, I'm, I'm in church today is because of you. The whole reason why I want to, I, I give and because of my life, I, I lay my life down for this church. Why? Because of you. It's not for any other reason, not any good work on my own. It's because this man changed my life. <laughs> He's changed me. Can you just close your eyes just for a moment? Just lift your hands to him. It's Jesus. I want you just to picture him on that cross. And when you accepted him, that wide open space that he brought you in. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Free and open space, not tied down to the law, not tied down to do's and don'ts, completely and openly free because, Jesus, you paid the ultimate price. Lord, we worship you. Come on, just for a moment, can you just, just thank him for a moment? Oh, Lord, we are so free because of you. You heal bodies. Why do you heal? Because you love us. Why do you always cause us to triumph? Even when things around us look the opposite, it's because you love us. So Father, just for a moment, we let you love us. Oh, just let him love you. How do you do that? Just, just a sec, open your heart and say, Father, thank you for your love. It refreshes me. It's restoring me. It's bringing me the soundness that I need in my mind. Lord, you always lead me and you always guide me. Even though I may not know my next step, Lord, I thank you. Your word says that the steps of a good man are ordered by you. Oh, I know my next step. So rather than saying, I don't know it, I'm, I'm not going to know it. Just start confessing what he told you. I will know my next step. Holy Spirit, you live on the inside of us. You came to reveal Jesus to us, but you came to reveal the whole plan of God for our individual lives. Oh, Father, thank you. For those that have maybe close friends or, or relatives that have walked away from you, Father, we just lift them up to you right now. Lord, we thank you that you love them. You care about them. So, Father, we thank you for sending people across their path that will speak a word of truth, that will speak words of love, that will draw them back to your heart because you love them so much, Father, that you're still on the hunt for them. Lord, not only do we pray for them, but, Father, we are also going to be an answer of prayer too. 
that from this place that you love us, any time that you imprint on our hearts to say something to save someone, to share your love, whether it's words or whether it's deeds, Father, we'll be quick to obey it. Why? Because you love us and you love that person. We rest in you, Jesus. We rest in you. Thank you, Father. Oh, you smile down on us. It's so wonderful to be your children. You call us beloved. You call us friends. You call us daughters. You call us sons. You brought us into this intimate place that we can be with you, the almighty God, the creator of everything we see and father of the whole galaxy. And you brought me close. Oh, how I love you. Oh, how we love you. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.